Hey, tennis fans, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. And thank you to 10XTO, the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada. We are on to day and episode five from the National Bank Open presented by Rogers in Toronto on the grounds. And uh, Mike, we're we're entering the business portion of the tournament, as one would say. Uh, certainly some major surprises. Our world number one is out, but also familiar faces uh, still alive in the field as well. And we've got a great guest on the podcast today in uh, two-time Grand Slam champion, former world number one, Simona Halep, who spoke with me a couple days ago. Been saving that audio and she's still in the draw. So, hey, that worked out nicely. And uh, so we'll share that with you shortly. But yeah, things are definitely progressing this week. And you get that vibe once you cross over the, the halfway mark of the tournament. There's less players around the grounds, obviously. Uh, the WTA media people are a little less you know, stressed out and running all over the place because mm-hmm. there's just less players to have to handle. Um, the courts sort of dwindle out too. Like instead of having action and practice on all the courts here at Sobe Stadium in Toronto, uh, as of Friday, we're only going to have matches on uh, center court for the singles quarterfinals, the grandstand for the doubles. And today I actually saw some Canadian university students who had some of the outer courts for some university championship that's happening this week so the dynamics are changing and you feel like you're getting to the finish line and the players must feel that way too at this point yeah and uh i think for us in media we know the first few days particularly even that opening qualifying weekend with all the players coming through and all the demanding media that it's actually the sort of the first few days of the tournament which are incredibly busy for us and and then it starts to uh, get a little less stressful as, as you make your way towards the quarter semis and, and eventually that final on sunday it's a grind right like these tournaments like you and <laughs> me have is. been leaving the site at like one in the morning many of these nights yeah and we've been back there in the morning anywhere between 8 30 and and, and 9 30 in the morning as well so you know we've been joking about maybe bringing sleeping bags and just crashing on slate because what's the point by the time you get home it's a uh, a quick turnaround before that alarm clock goes off the next morning, but uh, all worth it. So much fun. And then you get to have, you know, amazing guests like, like we've had this week so far, Belinda Bencic, Yulia putin Marie Boskova. Um, my goodness. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Zachary. Oh, I, we, we haven't got to her yet. Oh, but you spoiled that one. That's okay. I'm so sorry. Put it out there. We'll have Maria Zachary <laughs> at some point. Yeah this summer uh, on the podcast and now Simona Halep, which is uh, terrific. And uh, you know, the interview with Simona was, was great. She's such a pro, such a consummate pro. She's been around for some time now. She's a veteran, but she's still got so much time ahead of her. And I think bringing in Patrick Muradoglu as her coach at this time in her career is such a smart move because he had pretty good success for another 30 year old a while back when he teamed up with her and think of the success that was, you know, obviously Serena Williams and what the two of them accomplished not saying, of course, that's going to be replicated with Simona, but I think he's given her a little kickstart, and she admitted to that in in our interview. Yeah, and uh, why, why don't we go ahead and, and listen to that conversation? Here's Mike's chat with Simona Halep. Happy to be joined now on Matchpoint Canada by Simona Halep, who's back in Canada playing at, I want to guess, one of your favorite tournaments in the year based on how you've done in the past, but you tell me, is that uh, is that the truth? Yes, it's uh, true that uh, it's one of my favorite tournaments. I played really well uh, here and in Montreal. So uh, Canada is a special place. I won a few times. So every time I come here, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start with uh, how your summer is going so far, both on the court with your results and just what you've been doing away from the court as well this summertime when you can. 
Well, I didn't do much <laughs> out of the court. I just had a holiday after Wimbledon, but it was short. Uh, the rest I work hard because I know I have to catch up from behind. Uh, last year was uh, really difficult, so uh, this year it was all about work, all about focusing on the things that I want to improve and play, playing matches. When you go on holiday, do you bring your rackets with you or is it a total break from tennis for a few days? Total break from tennis is the only trip that I do without the rackets. <laughs> Were you encouraged by the result at Wimbledon, making a semifinals there? Um, obviously a place where you've had success, great success before being a former champion. How encouraging was it to have a deep run there into that second week? It's always uh, great to have a re gr good result in a Grand Slam because every player is playing uh, 100% and uh, every match actually is like a final of a tournament. So um, yeah, gives me confidence, gives me uh, good vibe that um, if I keep working, it's going to be good and I will have uh, some more results. Uh, but, you know, it's past. So now I have to focus uh, on uh, the next one and next one and next one. When you go back to Wimbledon as a former champion, are there any perks or advantages to being a former champion when you go back there that you can take advantage of at all? What do you mean advantage? Uh, like being a former champion, anything they do for you to make you feel, you know, extra welcome or extra access or anything special for a former the champion? The access, yeah, because you become a member, so you have access everywhere. And that's very special of this tournament. Uh, but they always treated me very nice. So I always feel very w welcome there and uh, people are friendly with me. Where do you keep your championship trophy, the one that they let the players keep from Wimbledon? Has that got a special spot it's back in Romania? It's a special room that my husband did for me. Uh, all the trophies that uh, I have, professional, uh, in a room. And it's uh, pretty, pretty uh, good. Uh, no, pretty well done. Must be a pretty large-sized room, I would guess. It's a normal room. I don't have many, <laughs> but yeah, enough. <laughs> I think you're being modest, but that's okay. Um, you've started a new coaching partnership this year that gained a lot of attention, Patrick Maradoglu. Uh, how is that partnership working out so far for you? What does Great. he bring to the table that, that adds to your game at this stage of your career? Yeah, it's uh, it's going great, and um, I love working with him. He's super positive. He's uh, bringing a lot of good vibe and uh, confidence. He really believes that uh, I still can play a good tennis. Um, is the way he brought me, like brought the fire back for uh, for my tennis. I start uh, I started to love it again, and um, I work it easier than before. So um, he he does everything in this team, and uh, he also wants to change a little bit my game. We are working on that every day, and uh, I trust him and I listen to him 100%. When you say the fire is back, what is it that takes that fire away? Is it just so many years on tour, the length of the season? Wh what kind of things add up that sort of bring that down a little bit for you? Many years on tour, uh, many years in top 10. Uh, it was a lot of pressure every week. Uh, I didn't realize uh, back then, but after you uh, stop a little bit the way I stopped three months uh, four months actually with my injury last year I felt how uh, exhausted I've been um, Injuries and the age I thought uh, at 30 I will be done with tennis because I felt tired mentally uh, But yeah now I started to feel uh, fresh. I started to feel that I love it again And um, I'm here to play a few more years Happy to hear that and so are all your fans. I'm sure um, in terms of mental health and, and not feeling burnt out, the tournament here in Toronto is doing something interesting this year called Mental Time Out, where fans are writing positive messages to players that you get to receive and, and review. Have you seen any of those messages? And 
overall, what do you think of, of a tournament doing something to prioritize players' mental well-being? Well, I've heard about this and uh, we talked a few days ago. Uh, it's a great thing because uh, many people, not just tennis players, um, many people are struggling uh, in these two, three years with pandemic and everything that is going on in the world. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit heavier on the mental part. Uh, but it's great that people are sharing the positive vibes and positive thoughts. I think it's all about this in these moments and uh, to feel uh, more support from people. I think it helps you to not feeling so lonely on tour. You mentioned a few moments ago that you thought you might be done playing tennis by 30 years old and you're still going and that's fantastic. Serena and Venus Williams are both back at this tournament. We haven't seen a lot of them in the past couple of years. They're both over the age of 40. What are your thoughts on them still chasing their tennis ambitions even at this stage of life? It's impressive. Uh, the whole admiration uh, is for them. I mean, it's um, crazy good uh, how they can uh, keep playing at this age after so many titles and so many great results. Uh, yeah, it's impressive and uh, I really admire the fact that uh, they keep playing and they still fight for every match that they play. No chance we see you at 40 years old still playing professional I tennis. don't think so, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's take it year by year. How has the tour changed, do you find, in the time that you've been a professional tennis player in terms of the level of competition that's out there the young players that are coming up now how has it changed from when you started to what you see on the wta today well i think always been there uh, some uh, young players that were playing great uh, it's tough to compare because i am into it and uh, it's tough to compare some years because you see from inside and you cannot uh, actually analyze everyone but i feel now that tennis is more open and everyone can win any tournament it's not just the top players that uh, are winning every tournament and it's not Serena anymore that is dominating tennis. So I feel like tennis is more open and it's uh, more uh, are more opportunities for uh, anyone. Are there any young players on the tour that you've seen but you haven't had a chance to play against yet that you would like to just because of what their game is and, and how excited you might be to, to play one of the future greats in the sport? I think I played, no, with most of the, the all, young All ones. of them already? Uh, I, I don't think if I played against Emara Ducanu. Yeah, I don't remember. She won a Grand Slam, so she is a um, um, super young um, star, how you call it. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't remember if I didn't play with someone else. It's tough because every week we have matches. So, But I played with many young uh, players and they are super solid. Figured we'd finish off here with a couple of fun questions, just quick ones. So whatever comes into your mind, feel free to just, just say it here, okay? Nothing, okay? nothing too difficult. I'll start with an easy one. Favorite food? Past, I would say. Okay. Uh, the most challenging player you've ever played against? Most challenging? Oh, I had so many. Um, this is Vitolina, Elina. Okay. Your most favorite thing to do during a long rain delay at a tournament? What do I like to do? To keep mm. busy, to pass the time. Uh, I think phone helps me a lot. <laughs> it's uh, our obsession. I yeah. think everyone's obsession these days. Unfortunately, I'd have to yeah. agree with you, yes. Uh, what's the biggest thing that you miss back home in Romania when you're on the road? My family. Favorite Grand Slam? All of them, <laughs> but uh, French Open because I won it first. And my final question is, what is your favorite thing about Canada? People. They are friendly with me and uh, the energy is always uh, nice and they, uh, they kind of support me and they like to please me all the time. Well, I hope that continues this week. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and, and good luck. Thank you so much.
There you have it, Mike's conversation with two-time Slam champion Simona Halep, and uh, you can tell she she knows she's I, I think in the second half of her career now at at age thirty, but still so motivated and driven for more. She's already accomplished so much in the sport, probably with her current resume, already is maybe a Hall of Fame tennis player. I, I like that she still has that hunger and desire. And if you recall Wimbledon, she was sort of watching her through the first week. She was actually my, my pick to win it. Rybakina stopped her in the semifinal, but. I, I thought she was playing so, so great. And I think she's been playing amazing tennis in Toronto. She says the fire's back. Uh, she says she's here to play a few more years. So her fans are going to be very happy to to hear that. Not as long as the Williams sisters, as she mentioned on my <laughs> one question, uh, yeah. which was actually asked the day before Serena dropped her retirement news. But nonetheless, her appreciation and admiration for what they've accomplished was, was pretty evident. And um, I, I incorporated a couple of things that you and I both tend to do in our interviews. I did the uh, trophy question. I'm always so curious where players keep their trophies. I was kind of asking myself tonight, why do I like asking that question? I think it's because I didn't get enough trophies myself when I was younger. <laughs> so there's this like trophy envy yeah, going on. A little bit um, deprived. That's right. And, uh, and then I did uh, rapid fire at the end for you uh, because I know you enjoy that. And, uh, and she had fun with that. And I liked her last answer to the rapid fire, which was when you think of Canada, what do you think of? And she said, uh, the people there are just so nice. So, you know, that's always nice to hear. And I felt that was a genuine answer. And my goodness, she gets a lot of Romanian fans in the crowd too. So no doubt she, she enjoys coming here. Yeah. And uh, we have an amazing quarterfinal match lined up if we're to tee up any of the action i know i know we'll recap a bunch of the action but i just the fact that we're going to get coco goff against simona halep center court i think is incredible halep's been playing awesome coco goff i think has had i would say the most exciting matches of the tournament for sure the two that she's had uh, on the grandstand have been incredible against uh Rebecca that went three sets that was two hours and 43 minutes i believe and then she went even further against arena sabalenka Seven five four six seven six had to claw her way back in that when she was down, I believe, a break in that third set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that's just the ultimate power versus uh, speed and athleticism, that dynamic between the two. Um, and she's heading into now her first match on center court. And I'm thinking, boy, it's about time that, that this player's on center court. And I don't think we'll ever see her in Toronto in the future on any court but center court when she comes back in 2024. She has all the qualities of a center court player, no doubt about it. She's much watched tennis, Coco Goff, and uh, has has just shown uh, some unbelievable skills here in, in Toronto. I think we knew all about it, of course, watching her progression over the past couple of years. But she's still a young teenager, and we haven't really we haven't had the opportunity to watch her in Toronto. That hasn't existed yet. So this is essentially her debut here, and uh, she's really seized it. I think it's a really fascinating matchup with Simona Halep, who's actually had her number. Uh, Halep leading that head-to-head 3 nothing. Coco Goff yet to take a set in that matchup. Interesting. And, yeah, which is maybe a bit surprising. They're somewhat of a similar game style. Uh, I think both, in a sense, counterpunchers, both very athletic, move great around the court. Uh, the way Goff is playing this week, though, I think we could be in for a tight match. And I think it's going to be a great opener on center court on Friday um, yeah. for, for fans at one o'clock PM Eastern time, local time. And uh, Coco's just got so much star power. I mean, the grandstand mm-hmm. today was full up 
Uh, they hadn't yet opened center court up because players were practicing on center who were going to be playing on it later in the day, you know, the big names. Um, but the grandstand, like people were not moving between changeovers. There was no free seats for anyone to have. And I felt bad for people because they were just crowded all around wanting to see this 18 year old that they know is going to be a big deal in the future. Well, finally she gets her center court debut here in Toronto. And um, I think it's going to be rocking for a one o'clock afternoon match as much as any one o'clock afternoon match can. I think people are going to come in early to see it. Yeah, it, it should be electric. We should look back at uh, some other results and, uh, We'll we'll start with our Canadian Bianca Andreescu, who I, I think there can be a lot of positives still to take from her tournament, getting two tough match wins. She started off with a, a difficult draw, having to beat Daria Kasakina, who's been great this season, uh, gets through her second match against Alize Cornet, uh, running into 19-year-old Zheng Xingwen, who defeated her in a, a tough three-set match, 7-5, 5-7, And I have to say, from just watching this match inside Sobe Stadium, Zhang played incredibly well in that third set. I feel like maybe Bianca was a bit nervous coming towards that finish line, especially the two, three game in the third where, where Zhang sees control and then um, just started kind of taking over serve so well and just had Andrescu on the back foot really for most of the match. And there aren't too many times where Bianca is the veteran player in a matchup. Yeah. Um, especially sort of mid-tournament as well. So that was kind of different up against the 19-year-old Jeng, um, who, I, you know, I time to take notice, right? I don't think a lot of people are as familiar with her. I was writing an article today on the Tennis Canada website about players that I feel in the future, let's keep an eye on them as potential star power. Yeah, I mentioned Layla Annie and Bianca, of course. I mentioned Amanda Nisimova and Coco Goff. I uh, kind of stuck with the North American theme, but uh, yeah, Zhen Chinwen, uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on. And, you know, let's not, um, you know, let's not dismiss her now at this point. She's beaten Jabir, albeit with a retirement mid-match. She's beaten Bianca and a Bianca who's starting to find her form too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy to say, oh, maybe Belinda Bencich looks like the favorite to get all the way to the finals. And I mean, I think that's where I'm sort of leaning and, and I think you as well, but uh, but let's not sleep on on this 19-year-old here. Yeah, and, and look, she's this is her first calendar year actually playing the slams because she broke inside the top 100. And I, I think it's pretty impressive that she made round of 16 at the French Open this year and third round of Wimbledon. Like already to, to be pulling those results at age 19 shows a really impressive progression. And and as you said, two big time wins. I mean, Jabir did have the retirement, but I think that first set was 6-1. Zheng was playing lights out tennis uh, just elsewhere around the grounds. I mean, this was the shock upset. Iga from Iga for my money was was the favorite to to win this tournament and actually going into this matchup against Beatrice Adad Maya she had a 20 match hard court winning streak that was stopped and I will readily admit I hadn't watched Adad Maya really play much at all and uh she looked good against Layla and she looked even better against Eva. Big lefty serve, strong, strong forehand that she can hit into the corners. And I know you watch this match from from up high. And the, with the conditions, Iga just never looked comfortable at all. It was a very, very windy day around the grounds here in Toronto, not just on center court, but all of the courts today. The wind was really gusting and the players really had to deal with that no matter which court they were on. Center court as well, because you've got that stadium and the court is so low, it 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 can swirl down there. Mm-hmm. I went up to the very top of the stadium with, uh, I borrowed a camera from Sony who were on site and letting photographers borrow these sick lenses and crazy 
thousand dollar, you know, multi thousand dollar cameras that, you know, I could never afford in real life and testing that out from the top to see what the zoom was like. And I nearly got, I'm not exaggerating here, blown over a couple of times. The wind was so strong up at the top and I'm taking these pictures and Iga, you know, there were nine double faults for her today. Yeah. And uh, after some of those double faults, just arms up in the air, like, what can I do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. She, she never found any rhythm. Adab Maya deserves a lot of credit for that. Cause I felt like she just sort of confidently just hit the ball through the wind. Uh, she didn't change her game too much and, and seemed to serve great throughout the match and, and ekes it out in three sets, seven, five in the third, a couple interesting Haddad Maya stats for you. Um, she is one of three players on the season that actually have multiple titles on the WTA alongside Iga, of course, who's won a, a bunch, six, and Anz Jabir. She won two titles on grass earlier this season. She's also first Brazilian to reach the quarterfinals in Canada since 1997. You want to take a guess at who pulled that off? Men Gust- or women? Gustavo. <laughs> Bingo. Gustavo Kierton, who made the finals in 1997. So first Brazilian to have a run um, into the quarterfinals here, which, uh, wow, good for her. And you know the residual benefit to our podcast of her advancing is that our photographer at the tournament this week, Nina Cannon, <laughs> yeah. is is here for us, but is also covering for a Brazilian news outlet. That's right. And uh, so she was like, "Oh, what a sweet, you know, this, what a score here." Yeah. So that was something else. It's um, a heck of heck of a story for sure. The wind now was a fact. I got another wind story for you as I was watching Camila Georgie, the defending champion from Montreal last year, out on the grandstand court against Jessica Pagula. Georgie was really uh, going through the first set looking darn good again. And then things fell apart with a six love second set to Pagula, who eventually the American ended up winning that match. Georgie hit a serve at one point that went over, not just past the service line, it went out of the courts, over the top of of the court behind Pagula, into the forest outside <laughs> oh the grounds God. of the um of of the tournament here. So everyone kind of shock and then kind of a laugh because how often do you see a serve just go boom that far out? But the wind <laughs> threw her off so bad on the toss that it went off the the top of her racket and out of the grounds. That's that's quite the miss it. I, I heard at one point that she may have had a match point look against Pagula on her serve in the third set and didn't take it. Pagula comes, takes it 7-5 in the third. I have to say, because I was just outside the court at the end of the match, Georgie, after that loss, like, beelined out of there. Uh, she she took off running. She wanted, uh, she didn't want to stay around, was not interested in any autographs or, or anything like that. I think she was a little ticked off about that loss. Yeah, it sounds about right. That's what I that's what I'd expect to be honest with you. And and to Pagula's credit, uh, Pagula is now one of three women left in the singles draw quarterfinals who are also in the doubles quarterfinals, along with Coco Goff and uh, Yulia Putinseva, who you spoke to and had on the pod yesterday. Yeah, Putin Seva is playing uh, some some great, great tennis. Uh, we talked about the big win over Paula Bedosa, but now uh, through and past Allison Risk, 6-3-7-5. And uh, just previewing some of the quarterfinal matches, we talked about Goff and Halep. Putin Seva and Pagula is a pretty interesting, like, maybe for pedigree, you'd say Pagula should be the favorite. I feel like that's a bit of a 50-50 match, though. I feel as well. And I was talking with Putin Seba's uh, temporary coach this week, who is Rob Stackley, who was helping her out here in Canada. And, you know, Putin Seba showing up so early to Toronto has clearly proved beneficial because look mm-hmm. at what she's doing in both singles and doubles draw. Rob feels real bad. He's off in Vancouver with the young Canadian kids who are getting ready to play there. 
And so he keeps messaging me and he's like, Mike, you got to send me pictures of Putin save us so I can like, <laughs> you know, retweet them or reshare them. So she feels I'm still like there supporting her and whatnot. And he said he was coming up with a game plan from Vancouver this afternoon for Putin Seva in terms of facing Pagula wow. and still coaching her from the other side of the country, which I thought was pretty, pretty impressive. Very, very cool. And then uh, our night match lineup for center court. Uh, Belinda Bencic, great win over Garbina Muguruza, the second uh, night match um, from yesterday's. She'll get Beatrice Adabmaya. And then uh, Karolina Pliskova, who's playing some quality tennis this week. She rolled past Anisimova, then wins the three set of her over Sakari. She'll get uh, Zhang Xinwen. So I don't know. I, I'm looking at one half of the draw, and I think the quality of tennis Belinda Bench is just playing right now. She has a great opportunity to, to maybe make a push to the final and surely has some memories of that title seven years ago. Well, I was going to say she's done it before, right? So she's clearly comfortable here and she is looking real good out there on court, real focused and didn't let the Serena, you know, news dropping about the retirement fluster her in the least last night. Uh, looked great against Mukarutha in particular in that first set. My goodness. I looked, it's like, Oh, five love already. My goodness. And, um, and in the bottom half for the draw, to me, you know, the winner of that Halep-Coco Goff match is going to be heavily favored, yeah. in my mind, against Pagula or uh, Putin Seva. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. We should mention uh, on the double side, yeah, Gabby Dabrowski is uh, still hanging around, of course, defending a title from last year in Montreal that she won with Luisa Stefani, now partnered with Juliana Olmos. They're the second seed. They'll be on the grandstand for the quarterfinal match. Uh, one of, I should say, two Canadians, I suppose, we have left overall. We haven't talked about Montreal, but um, a lot of surprise upsets have transpired over at OBN 2022, but Felix Ogiali-Sim should give him credit. He's playing great tennis, just took out Cameron Norrie, and he's in the quarterfinals there. Yeah, and the Montreal crowd is just going to absolutely love that. Montreal loves to support homegrown talent, whether it's on their hockey team, the Habs, the greatest hockey team of all time. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, or their <laughs> no tennis bias, players. Eh? Or, no, none at all. <clears throat> Born and raised. Um, or or their tennis players. I mean, they love tennis regardless. Any tennis player is Canadian. But yep. in particular, the fact that he is, uh, you know, French, Canadian, Quebecois, and from Montreal, this, uh, you know, adds to that, of course. So good for Felix. Yeah, we've been focusing mostly on the draw here in Toronto. It's almost impossible to cover two tournaments simultaneously even though it's in the same country it is just so difficult when one tournament in itself is is just such a, an animal such a beast for us to to take on and we want to do it properly so that's why we've been kind of dedicating to that and allowing our french counterparts on the sur la ling podcast to do their job in in montreal and focus on the men um just want to touch touch base about gabby Dabrowski a little bit it's been very quiet for her um she's only played one match so far uh, mm -hmm. she had a practice session today but i haven't seen a whole lot of her around but I did catch her practice session today, and she seemed super upbeat. There was a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs. Uh, I captured a picture and tweeted it out of her trying to tween her at one point in practice that didn't quite find its mark, but she was having a good time just uh, kind of having fun out there with her partner. And, um, yeah, wouldn't it be great if she could make, you know, finals back-to-back -back years in Montreal and Toronto. And uh, on the grandstand, which is a step up from uh, where she was the other day on court four, hopefully we can see her on Sunday on center court for that doubles final. That, that would be amazing. And honestly, I think her and uh, she and almost have, have played pretty well this season. Uh, that title in Rome that they had earlier making finals in Madrid. And I think Gabby uh, is very, very comfortable at home here. Obviously, home is Ottawa, but she plays great tennis and obviously knows the courts well in Toronto, too.
And someone else who's uh, kind of making a home away from home here is Emma Raducanu, who even though she's been out of the draw for a couple of days, is still in Toronto and enjoying the sights and putting things up on Instagram and, and getting to know her, the city that she was born in, that she doesn't really know because at the age of two, it was across the Atlantic Ocean to the UK. But uh, she posted a cool picture of her downtown Toronto at the waterfront with like the CN Tower in the background from when she was like an infant and then posted the exact same spot sitting there today um, just to contrast uh, the two. And it's it's kind of cool. You can tell that she's happy to be back here, um, quite happy to be probably representing the UK. Although with all the, the press that have been on her since her US Open final, I want to say, hey, Emma, if you want to come on over to Canada and <laughs> represent the, the red and right? white, we'd be happy to have you. I can say that our media has been pretty gentle on our players, let's be honest. I know Jeannie had you know, some, some critics, of course, I felt like a lot of those came from outside of Canada, actually. Yeah. And generally so. speaking, Canadian media is, uh, is pretty easy going on their tennis players. I think we're pretty warm and welcoming and, uh, we celebrate, we celebrate the wins. We're not too hard about the losses, which are understandably going to happen. Uh, Raducanu obviously going out to, uh, Camila Georgie in a, in a tough first round match, but, uh, she knows her roots. She remembers, uh, being born in, in Toronto and just a little plug. If you get a chance to see it, we did a lot of great, digital content for national bank open at the front end of the week uh challenging players on canadian foods raducanu obviously born in toronto did pretty well on that segment but check it out it should be on the instagram page and should be coming to twitter and youtube as well all right i will i will i've been checking them out this week you and nick mccarville are doing a great job i mean it's uh you're both very talented at what you do and uh, and i know nick mccarville even though he's not canadian he can come in and parachute to any tournament in the world <laughs> for sure. and all of a sudden be like right at home with everybody. So uh, a yeah. true professional and uh, it's great to see you guys working uh, together. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Mike. You're doing amazing writing as well and broadcasting on the podcast. We still have a few days to go here. Uh, quarterfinals coming up. Uh, guys, you've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. Our thanks again. Go out to 10XTO for being the official athletic club of Matchpoint Canada this week. We will talk to you tomorrow. Standing on the corner, I could listen to the radio. When the Savior sang from the fire escape on the second floor You were always saying we would make it to the catacombs In the end it came when you wrote my name on the bathroom stall If the photograph doesn't bring you back